Philippians chapter 4. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about um, a subject that is uh, normally is uh, near and dear to, to our hearts. It's kind of like the, uh, the place you and I uh, always walk. And um, <clears throat> I'm just stalling just so we can get this offering taken up. But, um, you know, it's not just good enough to go to church. It's not just good enough to read your Bible. It's, it's whenever you tap into the life that God has for you, that really makes the difference. Amen? And, you know, for some of us, we've been in church a long time, but we haven't experienced that encounter with God. And, uh, and you know, I, I know what that's like. How many of you know what that's like? You've been there, you know, and it's just like, wow, why didn't somebody tell me? You know, I was 22 years old. Uh, what the truth is, people did tell me. I just didn't listen. And uh, whenever I listen, <laughs> you know, things happen. Amen. And so God wants to meet you right where you are today. How many of you believe that? He wants to meet you right where you are, the street you're living on, the circumstance you're living in, the condition that you are dealing with right now. God wants to meet you right where you are. And, you know, as many people as it is in this building you know, He knows me. He knows you. The Bible says He even knows the hairs that falls off your head. He's that much acquainted with what, you, what you're going through. There's a scripture that says that he, he recovers our tears and puts them in a bottle. I mean, think about that. huh? And so God knows exactly where you're at and where you're going through. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. God is with you. Amen? And so today, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to discuss the subject of happiness. And uh, Psalm 80 and verse 4 says, the psalmist said, Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Give me happiness. Now, why would the psalmist say, Lord, give me happiness? I'm thinking it's probably because he wasn't happy. Right? I mean, I know I'm pretty deep this morning already. But you know, what? do you know what happiness is? Do you know what that is? You know, I think it's like, it's what you felt last night if you're a UL fan or LSU Tiger fan. And the road tides didn't say a word. Amen. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what team or fan you're part of, you know, what team you're crazy about. You know, the reality is you're bound to go through times where your team don't win. You're bound to have times when it's not a happy day. Right? Isn't that true? Have you ever had one of those days? You know, where you uh, experienced something. Uh, it didn't go as you expected. It didn't happen like you wanted. Your expectations were not met. And you weren't happy. Ever been there? Come on, don't leave me hanging. How many of you have been there? All right. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. And I remember whenever I was working in the oil field. And uh, I was working with a company for a long time, and I actually wanted to, to start working on land because I was going offshore a lot so that I could be more involved in church. Now, I thought God ought to be excited about that, you know? I mean, really, there's a lot of people that don't care to serve God. I'm re- willing to change my job to serve God. And so I prayed about it and asked God to help me, and I got a new job. Met with the guy, before I got the job, met with the boss, and man, he painted this picture I mean, it sounded like Broussard was going to be Hawaii. You know, I mean, you don't, you don't have to get to work till 8 o'clock. You get breaks two or three times a day. 
You know, oh man, it's just like we're way laid back here. It's easy. You get all weekends off. Man, I thought I can't wait to start. And then when I started, it wasn't like that at all. How many of you had that before? Come on, are y'all with me out there? Every weekend I was working. You know, he said we started at 8. No, no, wrong. 7 o'clock, man. And I had to drive right by my old place that I worked to get to the new place. Come on, I was like the Israelites, murmuring in the, in the wilderness. Lord, at least I had onions to eat at Camco. You know, I hated it because it didn't meet my expectations. I was greatly disappointed because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And you know what? Whenever I think about that, I think about people that go to church. A lot of times they just like I felt whenever I got that new job. They come to church. They even become Christians. And it's not at all what they thought it was going to be. You know, they have all these problems. And they say, you know, maybe if I go to church, maybe if I start, you know, give my life to Christ, raise my hand and say, I pray that prayer, that everything is going to change And my darkness is going to go. My depression is going to go. And all of a sudden, I'm going to live a happy life. It's not like that at all, is it? And there's great disappointment even in church. Because people thought that if they just start coming to church. And if they just started, you know, just responding. That happiness would come. But sometimes it's not like that at all. And so today, I want to talk to you about about how to tap into true happiness. Because it doesn't come by just attending church. Amen? Are y'all with me? Just because you go to church and you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you're going to live a happy life. And the reality, there is a lot of depressed people in church. There's a lot of sad people in church. So let's talk about how to tap in. How do you experience true happiness in life? I like that subject. How about you? I like it. And so let's talk about it. First of all, you got to stop looking to your circumstances to make you happy. You know, true happiness is not based upon circumstances. You know, and the problem is, for too long, we've relied on our team winning to be happy. Well, your team's not going to win every game. Right? Like, flashback last Sunday... You know, so listen, have you ever heard somebody say, somebody say this, I can't wait until I get that new job, I'm going to be happy. I can't wait till I get married, I'm going to be, when I finish school, I'm going to be, when hunting season starts, man, will I be, no way. Hey, you know, you're so excited about killing a deer, then you got to pull them out of the woods. <laughs> you know, listen, I thought a new job was going to make me happy, and it didn't. Even though my motive was just to get more involved in church. Circumstances won't make you happy. Here's a thought. How about let's, get, let's expect to get happy right now before our circumstances change? How about that? Amen? Like right now, you know, it is possible to be happy regardless of your circumstances in life. I got about four amens on that. 
It's possible regardless of where you work to be happy. Amen? The Apostle Paul learned how to be happy in every circumstance that he faced. And this is what it says in Philippians 4 and 11. It says, Paul said, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means. That means when I ain't got no money. When I'm poor, busted, and disgusted. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. Now the Apostle Paul said, I learned to be content in every circumstance of life. Everyone. Paul says, I've learned to be content whether I have a lot or whether I have little. Whether I'm prospering or whether I'm not. In other words, he's saying, I'm not letting my circumstances dictate to me whether I'm going to be happy or not. Now that is a, that's a great thought right there. Amen? So listen, don't wait for your team to win, to be happy. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Contentment. Paul said, I've learned to be content. You know what contentment means? It means to be satisfied and joyful with a peaceful state of mind, regardless of the circumstances. Paul learned to be joyful, and he learned to be peaceful in every circumstance he faced. And so he says in Philippians 4.4, this is a great verse, says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So in other words, he's saying like, hey, gang, rejoice in the Lord always. In case you missed it, I said, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, Paul says we are to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, the Greek and the Hebrew word for always is always. You know, it don't get deeper than that, right? And so the scripture encourages us to rejoice in any and every circumstance you're facing. Rejoice means to be cheerful and happy. So he says, Paul says, we need to always be cheerful and happy. Now, what a challenging verse. I mean, I don't even want to say amen. Come on, you either, right? So I'm reading that and, you know, I read, I can do all things. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Come on, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. What a challenging verse. It's like, oh, come on, Paul. Get a grip, man. You know, you can't rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, that's what Paul's saying. The audacity of Paul to say something like that. That we should be happy, joyful in all our circumstances. Hey, how many of you know Paul earned the right to say that? Amen. Hey, listen, he wasn't raised in this rich family with a silver spoon in his mouth. He's not saying like, he's not acquainted with trouble. And so now he's looking at us and say, hey, come on, y'all get a grip, be happy. No, Paul learned the right. I mean, let's look for a minute. I'm just going to read it. But let's look at the list of circumstances Paul faced in his lifetime. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, Paul said, in four more labors... In far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. 
I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I think Paul was acquainted with danger. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Wow. Now, I don't know. I do know. I think I do know. How that compares to your list of trials. But when I compare my list of trials to Paul's list of trials, I mean, I think I'd have cried uncle the first beating I got with the rod. You know what I'm saying? And Paul went through terrible, difficult circumstances in prison for years. Why? It's preaching the gospel, trying to grow the church, often near death. Why? Just serving Jesus. And he says he was in dangers from robbers, wild animals. Five times he received 39 lashes. You know what Jesus received when he was scourged? 39 lashes. Paul endured that five times. Man. Paul had a tough life. And so then Paul had plenty of reason to be sad, to be depressed, to be discouraged. Yet somehow in the midst of Paul's Paul's trials and tribulations, he somehow found the energy. He somehow found the place of saying, I'm content, I'm happy, and I can rejoice in the Lord In all things. Man, I don't know about you, but man, that makes me feel like I need to be saved. You know, I mean, isn't this great? And so here's the point. You can be happy no matter what you're going through. I'm just going to, maybe I should close in prayer and let you just let that settle with you. You can be happy no matter what you're going through. Regardless of what you've been through in the past or you're going through in the present, you can experience true happiness. Amen. That's the good news of the gospel today. And so how do you experience true happiness? How did Paul manage? How did he get to that place? Well, first of all, you've got to be willing to learn to be happy. You've got to be willing to learn how to be happy. And Philippians 4.11 says this. Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. You know what that tells me? That Paul wasn't always content. He wasn't always happy. He learned it. So you know what that tells me? You and I can learn it. Paul didn't inherit it. Somebody didn't give him the gift of contentment. Amen. It didn't come with a package deal. He learned how to be content. And so Paul had to learn how to be happy regardless of his circumstances. And so if Paul had to do it, you and I have to do it too. Amen? And so listen, Paul had to learn to not wait on people to make him happy. Listen, his own people turned their back on him. Right? His own people were stoning him for trying to preach the gospel. 
He couldn't wait for people to make him happy. They forgot about him in prison. You know what? Paul had to learn to rely, not rely on his circumstances. He was in prison. And it's not like the prison of the United States of America. Where you got a flat screen TV and you could go work out. You know, and you could do all this. That's not the prison Paul was in. You know, what they tell us about the prison that Paul was in, Paul was in a prison where sewage ran through his, his toes. It was bad. It was dark. And that's where Paul lived. He had to, he had to come to the place where he couldn't, he couldn't get out of prison. He couldn't turn people's attitudes around. He had to just decide, you know what? I can't change my circumstances. I'm just going to go ahead and get happy right here where I am. You know, Paul, he, he didn't wait to win the lotto, to get happy. He said, you know what, man, I've had plenty of money where I could go to the store and buy whatever I want, but you know what, I've also been places where I had to go hungry because I didn't even have money to buy food. Wow. And so he had to learn this. He had to learn to be happy no matter what. And you know, somebody said, the happiest people seem to be those who have no particular cause For being happy, except that they are. There's no, you know, whenever you look at happy people, say, well, he's happy because, you know, I mean, look at his life. No, as they surveyed who's happy, who's not, they found out there's no particular reason. There's no cause for the people that are happy to be happy. There's no, there's no circumstance. And so Philippians 4, 4, when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice means to be cheerful and happy. And Paul wasn't giving us a suggestion. Paul was giving us a command. He didn't suggest, hey, if you, you, know, if you want to, be rejoice. He's saying, no, rejoice in the Lord. So the implication, I think if Paul's saying, hey, Rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of what you're going through. Rejoice, be happy, be cheerful. I think the implication is we can learn to be happy, regardless of our circumstances. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? You know what that does? That gets the boudet lip off of our face. You know, the the pity party that we've been having for two years, we got to quit it. We got to close the party down. Rejoice. Come on, be cheerful. Oh, I don't know if this is ministering to you. It's ministering to me. Amen. Come on. And so sometimes it's simply a matter of attitude. Come on. Your attitude is going to determine your altitude. It's a matter of attitude. You know, come on. And so to be happy, we need to have a thankful attitude. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, listen to this. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ. Now, man, some verses, you know, I want to write my own translation of the Bible and take some verses out like this one. In everything give thanks. Regardless of how bad life is, you can find something to give thanks for. Isn't that right? There's always a silver lining there. And you know what? Listen. Somebody said, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it or what happens in me. And so, you know, typically we wait to see what's going to happen to us and decide whether we're going to be happy or not, depending on how our day goes. 
And whenever you decide you're going to have a thankful attitude, you say, you know what? It doesn't matter whether my ship came in or not. I'm going to have a good day today. It doesn't matter whether the sun came out or whether this is cloudy sky. I'm going to be happy, okay? That's it. I'm going to be thankful for the cords that life hands me, and I'm going to do my best with those, those cards that God gave me. Amen? And so he says, be thankful. We cannot control our circumstances, but we can control how we react to it. Amen? Amen? And so Paul, regardless of what he went through, he had somehow, he mustered up the strength to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I said rejoice. Be cheerful, be happy. To be happy, we need to have a thankful attitude. How many of you know there's always something to be thankful for? Now look, right now, there's about a hundred things we can say, man, I wish this would change. But do you know what? It's a blessing that you're in church today. Do you know it's a blessing that you got out of bed? Have you ever been to the point where you can't get out of bed? We take for granted our health. I mean, listen, you get a splinter in one of your toes and you can't hardly walk from the refrigerator to the couch. Isn't that right? So, man, just to have the strength and the energy to get out of bed, that's a blessing, isn't it? And So we need to be thankful for that. We need to be grateful for that. And so not only do we need a thankful attitude, but we need to have a positive attitude. We need to start, you know, whenever we look at that glass, instead of calling it half empty, calling it half full. Same glass, but we're looking at it differently. Come on. And that's what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So Paul is saying, keep a positive attitude and and don't let your thinking get stinking. Amen? He's saying, listen, think positive thoughts. Look on the bright side. It takes no character to look at the negative side. Come on, grow up. Look on the positive side. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Even if it hurts, say amen. Come on, we got to encourage ourselves sometimes. Because listen, there will always be a hundred negative people that will help you and push you into the mully grubs. You're looking for somebody to be negative? You don't have to look far. You don't have to look wide. They're everywhere. Amen. But it's harder to find somebody that's going to be positive and say, come on, man, let's be encouraged. Let's look on the bright side. Amen. Hey, listen, that glass ain't full, but thank God it ain't empty. Come on. Yes. Amen. Come on. You got a lemon. Let's squeeze that baby. Come on. Let's squeeze. Let's get some fresh lemonade out of this thing. Amen. So come on. Paul saying, keep a positive attitude. And you do that by thinking positive thoughts. Amen. And so we need to learn to control our thoughts. You know, who was it that said, I can't stop birds from flying over my head, but I can stop them from making a nest in my hair. I can grab that baby and cast them down. You can't stab thoughts from coming across your mind. But you know what you can do? You can keep those thoughts to making a stronghold in your mind. Take those thoughts and pull them down. Listen, there are people in prison today that didn't know how to bring their, cap- their thoughts captive. Amen. Come on. And Paul said, think on the right things. 
cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The devil will want you to think negative and he wants you to bring you in the cellar. Amen. So we got to take captive our thoughts. Negative thoughts will only give you a sad, depressed, negative attitude. Negative thoughts will only land you in the dark places of life. The enemy likes negative thoughts because it's not faith. It's doubt, it's unbelief, it's fear. Amen. We need to look for something positive in all of our life experiences and look on the bright side. Think positive thoughts. Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. Listen, if you will just look on the bright side and start, anytime your mind wants to start thinking about how bad your circumstance is, grab your thoughts and say, wait a minute, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Spirit. If life kills me, I spend eternity where there's no bills, no stress, no mosquitoes. There's no bad weather. I'm going to live for eternity with Jesus Christ on the streets of gold. I'm going to look on the bright side. Amen. You know what's going to happen? Something's going to come inside of you. You're going to say... I feel happier. Your feelings follow your thoughts. Amen? If you're not feeling good, change what you're thinking on. Get you some good thoughts like Scripture. Amen? <laughs> like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Greater is He that is in me. Come on, are you with me today? Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. For those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Listen, if you're not loving God, everything's not going to work out for you good. It's going to work out for your bad. This Satan, Lucifer, the devil, will make sure of that. But you know what? When you're loving God, God's going to make some lemonade out of your lemons. All things work together for the good. You know what Paul said? Man, I'm in prison, but don't be sad. The gospel is continuing. I'm writing a book while I'm in jail. God's giving me some words. It's some powerful words he's teaching me. When I get out, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to call it the epistles. He didn't say that. That was my paraphrase. Say, I didn't read that. Where was that? What chapter was that, Todd? But you know, listen, he was writing the Bible whenever he was in prison. Amen. God used him in a mighty way. Why he was in prison. Hey, listen, the more they would stone him, the greater the anointing fell on him. Amen. The more they would stone him, the more the Spirit of God. He'd start preaching the gospel like this, and the Spirit of God would fall in the place. 3,000 people in one sermon got saved. Why? Because Peter went through the school of hard knocks. He went through trials and difficulties. Amen. Hey, listen, God is going to, he's going to use your bad for his good. Amen. So, example, you know, of a good attitude. I, I, I read this prayer. Listen to this. A prayer of someone who had a positive outlook on life. This is the kind of outlook you and I need to have, okay? This guy's praying a prayer. Dear Lord, so far today, I'm doing all right. I have not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. <laughs> However, 
I'm about to get out of bed in a few minutes. <laughs> and I will need a whole lot more help after that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's a good attitude, right? <clears throat> Amen. So listen, it's not easy to find positive in everything. Isn't that true? It's not easy to find positive in everything. But if we will try hard enough, we can find something good in every difficult situation. So we need, but we need to learn how to be thankful. You know, I mean, we can look at what we don't have all day long. But how about let's give him thanks for what we do have. And you know what the Bible says? You enter his gates with thanksgiving. You don't enter his gates with a big old boudet lip. Amen? You know, listen, you know, you know, in texting and stuff, you can do the frown or, you know, you do the smile. You know, come on, we got to change that baby. Come on, we got to turn that lip up instead of turning it down. Amen? It's a choice. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. The Bible wouldn't say rejoice if we didn't have the power to rejoice. He said, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul wouldn't have told us to have a good attitude if we didn't have the power to do it. It's ours to do. Amen? So come on, let's get rid of the boudade lip. You know, you know, turn the lights out on the pity party and start being happy. Amen? How many think that's a good word? Amen. I want you to send me a text this week and remind me of that, all right? All right, so that's the first way to, have, to be happy, no matter what, okay? Number two, the second way to learn to be happy is by remembering that happiness is an inside job. It's an inside job, not an outside job. Uh, how did Bur Paul learn to be happy despite the terrible things? Paul gives us his secret. He gives us his secret in Philippians 4, and this is what he says, Philippians 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak from what? For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having an abundance and suffering need. You ready for it? Verse 13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. What's the secret? How much money you got in your checking account? How many people like you? How many people are happy with you? He said, it has nothing to do with my finances, my state, or the people around me. I can be content in all circumstances because I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Who do you think Him is? We... I mean, you ain't got to be a theologian to figure that one out, huh? Jesus, Paul says, listen, my secret is I get my strength to be happy through Jesus Christ. Listen, the world, the news proves this every day. I mean, people that would have everything that you would think, if anybody got reason to be happy, they do. I mean, look what they got, and they're not happy, right? The news proves that happiness doesn't come with circumstances. Paul says, I get my strength to be happy through Jesus Christ. The Lord has something better for us than happiness. It's the joy of the Lord. Amen. 
You know what happiness means? Happenstance. Whenever you're looking for happiness and relying on just happiness, you're waiting on circumstances. But when you got the joy of the Lord, it comes regardless of circumstance. I think we ought to trade in happiness and get some joy of the Lord. Amen? Come on, the joy. Listen, happiness is external, but joy is internal. Amen? Happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is based on Jesus Christ. Hey, Nehemiah 8.10 says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know whenever you're happy, you got more strength than if you're sad? Right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what Nehemiah said. So, every, no, listen, not everybody has the same amount of joy. Right? Not everybody, not everybody that, are, that go to church have the same amount of joy. We have limited amounts. It depends how well we connect it to the joy source. Amen? Because listen, he has no limit of joy in his joy bank account. He's got enough to release all over the world and make everybody joyful. Amen? So listen, let's not just have joy. Let's be joyful. Y'all willing? Okay. All right, so... Who gets joy? Well, first of all, joy comes to those who surrender their life to Christ. You know, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy comes from the Spirit of God. And do you know that that there's miracles that happen in people every day? They are shrouded with darkness. They're shrouded with evil and wickedness and depression and They're shrouded with a black cloud. And through that terrible state of mind they're in, they stumble to a place where somebody tells them about the power of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross and what He can do for you. And through that process, they make a decision to ask Jesus to forgive their sins, surrender their life to Christ, and they get infused with God's Spirit. And all of a sudden, darkness is broken like a stick. Boom! And the joy of the Lord comes into their life. You know, just this week we did a class, uh, the Grow class. And I was talking to the people up there in that class, and they were telling me, Do you know that people come to church because they see the difference in their family member and they say, I got to go find out what's going on in that dude's life. He's not the same person. I got to go find out what is, I got to find out what is he taking because something is working for him. I don't know if they got his hormones right, his thyroid right, something is working for him. They see the light of Jesus in people and they want to come find out where it is. The joy of the Lord is powerful. I don't know if you got it this morning, but it, you, could, you can have it before you leave today. You know how you receive it? You surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Sin will keep joy right out of your life. Sin is a joy stealer. Disobedience is a joy stealer. There was a man in the Bible. He lived in a rich man, rich father's. He was a rich guy. He lived in a rich daddy's house. And he left it all because he wasn't happy there. And he went and got all his inheritance, spent it on everything. He was in a pig's pen, not happy at all. But when he went back to his father's house, all of a sudden, they killed the fatted calf. And they had a party. Why? 
because he was back connected with his father. See, God created you to have joy. That joy comes through Jesus Christ. Not church attendance. Church attendance don't do it. How many, how many of you can, you know, help me out here? Church attendance don't do it. How many of you have been to church a long time and they didn't do it? It's whenever you cross the line and surrender your life to Christ. Amen? But listen, it's not just being a Christian. That's just a half of it. See, part of it, joy comes to those who are willing to follow the will of God. Do you know you can be a Christian and fight the will of God around every corner? I know God wants me to do this, but I want to do that. God forgave your sins, but you're not living in the will of God. You're living your own life, going your own way, doing your own thing. That's not where joy is. Joy is in the will of God, isn't it? Come on, how many of you have experienced that? You've been in joy and you've been out of joy. You've been in joy and been out of joy. How many of you prefer being in joy? Yes. It doesn't come automatically just because you ask Jesus to forgive your sins. It comes with obeying God. There was a guy in the Bible. The Lord said, hey, won't you do me a favor and go over here to the city and tell them to repent? I want, I want, to, I want to save that whole city. I want you to go over here. Ah, oh, I don't feel like going over there. I don't like them people anyway. I'm going over here. And he took off out of the will of God. You know the story, right? His name is Jonah. And man, he got in a storm. He wasn't happy. Everybody around him wasn't happy. And he said, man, what in the world are you doing? And he says, it's my fault. God told me to go here, and I'm going there. That's why you're all in this storm. He said, well, we're getting rid of you. He said, throw me out. They threw him out. Threw him out of the ship. And he got swallowed up by a whale. You know what happens when you don't follow the will of God? You end up in a storm. And the only way to get out of the storm and get out of unhappiness, back in happiness, is to get back in the will of God. The will of God is not going to church and it's not just reading your Bible. Come on, are y'all with me out there? See, I thought it was that. It's more than that. Amen. You got to surrender. You got to let go the reins. And you got to let God drive the ship. That's where joy comes. Joy is not in a stubborn will. A joy is in a surrendered will. So first of all, joy comes to Christians. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When you get born again, you get born of the Spirit. Secondly, after you're a Christian, you're not going to hang out in joy until you hang out in the will of God. Now when Jonah got right, you know what? He went back to where God wanted him to and his life turned around. Amen? Okay, so listen. Third way you get joy comes through Christ, remember, is through His Spirit. You know, they got people that are Christians and they got about this much spirit. You know, their level of spirituality is about like that. You say, well, isn't that judging? Well, it could be, but the Scripture says, be filled with the Spirit. It's not just good enough to be a Christian. You got to be filled with the Spirit. In His presence is the fullness of joy. Amen? And you know, listen, you could be in the crowd, but not be in His presence. Come on, are y'all hearing me today? Are y'all with me today? You got to hang out with the Lord to get the fullness of, this, of the joy of the Lord. Isn't that right? 
Listen, the less I hang out with God, the less joy I have. The more I hang out with God, the more joy I have. Amen? Because the joy of the Lord comes when you're spirit-filled. So we got to figure out how to get spirit-filled. Amen? Can I suggest a few things to you? You got to worship. Amen? You got to worship. You know, listen, get you some good tunes on your, on your phone and just get by the quiet, not, you know, some worship music and just worship the Lord. Amen? Not the Beatles. You know, listen, I'm, I'm serious. You know, you take for granted, listen, music is powerful. Music is powerful. And when you combine music with lyrics that edify and glorify Jesus Christ, God's Spirit works in that. So I encourage you, listen, put worship in your house. Moms, while you're cleaning the house, crank it up so every devil in the house can hear it. And they're going to go next door where it's a little bit more comfortable for them. Amen? While you're in your car, come on, put on some K-Love. Come on, put on some Jesus culture or something and worship the Lord. Amen. When you worship the Lord, the presence of God comes. And with the presence of God comes the joy of the Lord. Amen. Not only just worship, but you know, the, the Word of God has the presence of God in it. You know, there are times to worship, but there are times to just shut it all down. Quiet every noise. Be still and grab your Bible and just read the Word of God. In the Word of God is the presence of God. And whenever you just hang out in the Word, you're going to be hanging out in the presence of God. And in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Thank God we ain't got to wait to be happy. We can be joyful. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? Come on, how many of you glad that you have the ability to tap in to the joy of the Lord, which is your strength? Amen? 